Clovercrest Media proudly presents Divided We Stand. Divided We Proudly Stand. We're going to have a little fun tonight. We're going to talk about some terrible things. I could have said, Mitt, drop to your knees. He would have dropped to his knees. You're fired. Starring Joe Aguirre, Brian Forster, and Eric Farron. Very fine people on both sides. I didn't come along and divide this country. I think it's a disgrace. I stand here ready to work with you. Let me talk. Quiet. And we will make America great again. Divided. We stand not as two parties, but as one nation. It's been a tough week for the NRA. Yeah. We offer our thoughts and prayers. If only there was something more we could do. (laughs) A crazed lunatic senselessly shut up a synagogue in California murdering one and wounding several others. Oliver North stepped down as president amid some sketchiness regarding the misuse of funds during his tenure. An understatement. Russian seductress (laughs) and group favorite Maria Butina is going to jail. It's really not going well. Yeah, seriously. So many proud patriots are scrambling. And what does it say about the organization when it's the fighting between two old white guys like Ollie North and Wayne LaPierre, that puts them into crisis mode. That's what does it. So, as uh, we set out this year to defeat the divisive forces that would take freedom away, I want to say those fighting words for everyone within the sound of my voice to hear and to heed, and especially for you, Mr. Gore. From my cold, dead hands. In his resignation, North made it clear that it was not his choice to step down, but was told it was necessary so the NRA could get back to protecting the Second Amendment. Is there an organization that deserves less sympathy than this one? Duke University and the New York Football Giants? <laughs> Boom, roasted. Oh, this is great for Aunt Becky. It's about it time something went right for that family. It is. The Laughlins and not the Tanners. <laughs> and I assure you, Bob Saget is doing just fine. I got to correct you, Eric. Aunt Becky married Uncle Jesse Katsopoulos. Hashtag oh, not a Tanner. Oh, oh. Hashtag details. Funny. <laughs> on another side note, don't you think that Wayne LaPierre would have been the perfect name for a hockey coach villain in the Mighty Ducks? <laughs> yes. Yes, the evil French-Canadian squad. Remember, it's not worth winning if you can't win! Hashtag, are you two done? <laughs> no, nice work. You everywhere, the hashtags. Everywhere you look this week, Republicans were shocked when Bernie Sanders said this at a CNN town hall. If somebody commits a serious crime, sexual assault, murder, they're going to be punished. They may be in jail for 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, their whole lives. That's what happens when you commit a serious crime. But I think the right to vote is inherent to our democracy. Yes, even for terrible people. This is a democracy. We've got to expand that democracy. And I believe every single person does have the right to vote. Here's how screwed up Democrats are. Oh, sit, sit back. This is actually a semi-popular sentiment in the progressive left. In Snowflake Jail, prison is just a glorified timeout filled with <laughs> civic engagement and very competitive phone service. <laughs> I, I get, look, I get that there's a lot wrong with the prison system in this country, but I think Bernie kind of got trapped a little bit here. 
he was amped up. He was fired up. A little bit. It was an auditorium filled with college kids in New Hampshire. I do think that he definitely believes what he said. But to be fair, my guy Bernie, he's rolling at like a Bernie swag level 10 right there. <laughs> it's a good thing Trump doesn't ever get carried away in front of his fans either. Yeah, that would be unpresidential. <laughs> Roll tape, producer. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And Mexico will pay for the wall. But we have some bad hombres here, and we're going to get them out. He's not a war hero. He's a war hero. He's a war Five hero. Five and a half years. He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? I hate to tell you. You've called women you don't like fat pigs, dogs, slobs, and disgusting animals. Your Twitter account Only Rosie several- O'Donnell. <laughs> Believe me, she would not be my first choice, that I can tell you. You take a look. Look at her, look at her words. You tell me what you think. I don't think so. I don't think so. I'm going to take such good care of women's health care issues, you won't even believe it. The White House Correspondents' Dinner took place on Saturday. In Breaking with Tradition, the featured guest was not a comedian. Don Chernow, the esteemed Alexander Hamilton biographer, that was the chosen headliner. Really pops on that billboard. Uh, yeah, his definitely. jokes about this president's assault on the truth and the free press predictably killed on the C-SPAN live feed. <laughs> Tremendous ratings. Ratings no one's ever seen since Roseanne. <laughs> of course, there's been some squawking from the comedians, and I'm sorry about that. Frankly, I thought that those folks would have a little more of a sense of humor about my selection. After all, they are comedians. But we need them now more than ever during this surreal interlude in American life. As Will Rogers once observed, people are taking their comedians seriously and their politicians as a joke, and that certainly describes our topsy-turvy moment. Now, the president wasn't there for the third year in a row, and he also ordered members of his administration to boycott the party as well. Sean Spicer was there. Oh, yeah. And his eye makeup looked fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure the president would have wanted to have been there, but he is being audited, so oh, he's oh, kind of yeah. limited yeah, he's, he's, in, he's in what he can up. and can't do for sure. <laughs> his hands are tied. <laughs> Donald Trump and all Republicans shouldn't get to talk about safe spaces or puppy dogs and crayons for a very long while. Seems fair. That yeah. seems reasonable. Sit back and relax and maybe make some soup. We've got so much <laughs> to dig into. Clovercrest Media Group presents a CMG podcast. Hey guys, what's going on? I'm Maxwell. We'll strangle you with an XLR cable. I can do it. I got the nice one. I'm Christian. He is the yes man. Entrepreneur. Great to f***. Great to f***. (laughs) And I'm Melissa. She's a whole lot of whoa! (laughs) And Maxwell's Magic Hour is so incredibly happy to be a part of CMG Podcasts. President Trump said that he doesn't want current and former White House aides to testify in front of Congress following a release of special counsel Robert Mueller's report. In an interview with the Washington Post, Trump said complying with further investigations was not necessary because the White House cooperated with Mueller's investigation into Russia's interference in the 2016 presidential election and 
possible obstruction of justice. Nobody believes in transparency more than he does, though. You ready for this quote? There is no reason to go any further, and especially in Congress, <laughs> where it's very partisan. Obviously, very partisan. Obviously. I mean, look, he's not wrong, but there's certainly some things to be had still in this investigation. Not just just because he wasn't indicted doesn't mean there aren't a lot of questions that a lot of people still want answered. No obstruction. <laughs> no collusion. <laughs> Total exoneration. But that's what Mueller left out there, right? I mean, that's basically what he did with his report. He's like, all right, this is what I found. Now it's up to you guys. So if it's... I didn't have to report to my boss, right. the president of the United <laughs> States, there could be some things to look into. Now, you know, the House Judiciary Committee filed a subpoena for testimony and documents from former White House counsel Don McGahn, who was known to have a contentious relationship with Trump and play a starring role in the Mueller report. He actually threatened to quit uh, on a couple of occasions. Well, Every time Trump said he was going to fire Bob Mueller, uh, Don McGahn wanted to quit. So uh, the White House plans to exert executive privilege. So there, it, it, it's you could say that, that the House is being partisan, but then what's the White House doing? Right. They're coming right back with partisan politics <laughs> as well. By the way... But it's... For the president. It's pro the president. So it's, it's right. It's it's very different. This is also pro the president. The Treasury Department missed yet a second deadline to hand over six years of the president's tax returns. Do you think that somebody was just waiting for those returns to come in and be like, hey, Joe, you got to be here till six because uh, that's when the deadline, that's <laughs> when it's coming. <laughs> I'm telling you, they're totally coming. He said it's, uh, you know, it could happen. I think I think this will be the time he decides to give up his tax returns. I'm going to say something positive about Donald Trump. And well, I know. So we're going to get it again this week? Yeah, it's, I'm going. I, I, I'm trying to make this a weekly thing. You've changed. Hashtag he's my president. Hashtag. <laughs> Donald Trump plays this game better than anybody else. Absolutely. I mean, Hillary was like a 40-year veteran of the political scene. Mitch McConnell, Paul Ryan, Schumer, Nancy, Comey, all the... Donald Trump, and I don't know how is running circles around these people. I mean, making them all look foolish. I think part of it has to do with a lot of those other people that you mentioned care about telling the truth, you know, every so often. That's their mistake! Right, right. Well, yeah. Believe that, like, oh, words matter and that uh, what you said yesterday, you know, maybe builds on what you're saying. I don't today. even know which of these stupid newspapers or why that's even still a thing is keeping track of all the lies. What, newspapers? Yeah. It's like Trump's up to like nine thousand lives. Yeah. Yeah. What? Great. Tell me. Keep. Keep the. Just keep the ticker rolling. What does that even? How, how do we let him get past like eight? Right. Like when the number hit ten, well, twenty, a, we kept like, all right, when are we gonna stop it? That's the thing about all those other people you mentioned. They're actual politicians that lived in their political bubble, and when they would get caught in lies they'd have to answer for them we don't make this guy answer for anything because he just says whatever he feels like and we're you know ah that's just trump well yes and you know what the problem is is more and more it's more people right it's not just that fringe group on the right now it's like just about everybody except for the far far lefties everyone else is like well what are you gonna do it's trump that's what he does ah he's worn us down to the point of tapping out basically just, that's what's happened that's it so is, you know is trump just 
waiting off the clock with the tax returns, you're never going to see them. I mean, Rachel Maddow will probably come out in six months and say, oh, we got them. Like, you have one page from a tax return eight years ago. Great. That doesn't help anybody. Look, as long as he's under audit, I guess there's nothing we there's can nothing do. There's nothing we can do. Anyone who's been under audit would know that. They do know that. So, here we are. And people are just like, yeah, <laughs> well, that's what it is. Lefty Dems, liberal media bias. Donald, to get him. Donald Trump has really, to me, defied all expectations of what he was going to do to this office. To literally where he says things and his own allies are like... Yeah, no, don't listen to that. Yeah. That's just nonsense. Right, right. Most of what he says is is stuff you should listen to. But that that like, yeah, you we pick gotta and choose. we gotta like pick and choose why people don't care about money and dealings he's done with Russia with the Trump organization. I don't understand. I I don't understand it. Well, here's the that's thing. a conflict of interest. Well, they helped him win, so that Matt Hillary lost. End of story. What when else he, do you need? He never set up a blind trust. Never said he was going to set up a blind trust like every other president has done before him. Yep. And it's just nobody cares. He's not a blind trust kind of guy. It's not his thing. Yeah. How much money is he making by being the president of the United States? And I don't even need an answer. It's just one of those, like, uh, how many licks does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop? Well, the people that will take the licks of the Tootsie Pop will also tell you that he can do whatever he wants. And something about her emails. Yes. And lock her up. What are you going to do? That's unfortunate. Well, here's what we can do. We can look to 2020 and options. And there might be some. A new Emerson poll found that some supporters of Senator Bernie Sanders in the 2020 uh, Democratic primary would prefer Donald Trump in the general election to some of Sanders' primary opponents. Obviously, Mm. this was was an issue in 2016. The Bernie bros, as, as they're called. Yeah. Good thing we've learned so much in four years. Yes. it's uh, The poll is one of the first national polls to show Sanders actually pulling ahead of former Vice President Joe Biden, who literally was the front runner until he announced he was in, and then quickly <laughs> settled into the two spot behind Bernie. Bad news when your announcement actually drops you in the ratings. It's not what you want. No. Yeah, it's not what you want. Now, what you obviously, expect. he's been a little busy defending his behavior of the last 50 or 60 years. So he's it's going to take some time, some healing, if you will. Yeah, well, he officially <laughs> yeah. announced on Wednesday, and he came out and he had a lot to say about the hatred that the president foments. And, uh, you know, he's off and running. 2020, that's what it's going to be like. 29% of respondents said they want Sanders to win. 24% preferred Biden. W- was that more than just the... Uh, dinner crowd at the golden corral or is that a, a wide-ranging <laughs> poll this is a wide-ranging poll okay uh kamala harris elizabeth <laughs> warren uh and former rep beto o'rourke were all in the middle of the pack between seven to nine percent each the poll also found that 21 percent of Sanders supporters said they would vote for trump in the general election if Buttigieg won the primary 26 percent would vote for trump if warren won the primary 18 percent would vote for trump if o'rourke won the primary and 17% said they would vote for Trump if Harris won the primary. And get this. This is this is how this is why I I, I always say the Democrats can't get out of their own way. Mm-hmm. 5% of Bernie Sanders supporters said they would support Trump for president if Sanders wins the primary. What? I'll repeat that. Yes, 5% <laughs> of Bernie Sanders supporters will still vote for Trump against Bernie. 
I guess they're just being really honest here. Or maybe they didn't understand the question. I'm going to go with that. Could be. (laughs) Could be. I thought that was the weirdest thing in that entire poll section. So it looks like Trump in 2020, and then uh, who's going to run in 2024? Because that's what we're going to be looking at. I guess Mike Pence. That'll be exciting. (laughs) Mike Pence. He'll be in the same room with his wife everywhere he goes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, the, the Democrats are... Doing, doing the Democratic doing the thing. Democrat yes, thing. they're going to shockingly get this clown reelected. is what's going to happen here. Because they're going to go against each other, not him. Here's the number one thing, though, everyone should still understand, is that that wall will never happen. Well, he just said, oh, we're building so many miles of wall. we got 400 miles of wall that's going to be built by the end of next year. The border's, what, 2,100 miles? Yes. So yeah. that's a little different than uh, you know putting up all the wall. So they're replacing fencing in areas where the fencing has virtually fallen to the ground. And that's good. They should. Right, right. Because, and I've said this a million times, it's worth repeating. Everybody in every party supports border security. Even the most lefty, lefty, leftist. You mean MS-13? Yes. (laughs) Precisely who I was talking about. Right. Even they are in favor of border security. But. You're not going to be able to build a wall, at least not a big wall that goes all the way across. There's language in all, of, in all of these bills that say none of this funding can be used for new new wall construction. Well, sure. There's or also prototypes for new wall construction. Also, the problem with a lot of the land that you're talking about is not in America. So some of the building parts would be Mexican. To be fair, historically, that's never stopped us. But I'm just, True that. You know, that's a different conversation. The other problem you run into is the Fifth Amendment and the eminent domain problem. And there are It's all privately owned land over there by ranchers. If the government is going to take that land, it's going to be costly. It's going to be a long court process. And then after all has been said and done, assuming they rule in favor of the government, you then have to offer fair market value for the property, which will also be extremely costly. It, it just it doesn't make sense. If you talk to any lawyer worth their weight and salt, they'll tell you this thing's never going to happen. And it's stupid that, that the TV network spends so much time talking about it. If only we had a deal maker in chief who could make all the best deals and come up with something that works. For both sides. Now, here's the real shame in Nothing the on fact that, one, huh? that no, I'm not even going there. Listen, Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders might very well be the right guy. Okay, he might be the right guy. He's and he might not be the guy you want, but he's the guy that we need. Wall Street employees saw their their bonuses actually slip 17 percent last year. To just a hundred and fifty three thousand seven hundred dollars. Oh those, man, those poor executives. How are these guys getting by? That's what I want to know. Now, don't feel too bad for the bankers just yet, because even in a down year like this, bankers' bonuses have jumped by a thousand percent since nineteen eighty five. Well, that's a relief. Whoa. Good for them. By comparison, the federal minimum wage has increased about a hundred sixteen percent during the same time period. Huh. One more time. What was that? What were those numbers? Minimum wage is up 116%. Okay. Bonuses are up 1,000%. Oh, that seems out of whack. The total Wall Street bonus pool last year was $27.5 billion. That's more than triple the combined earnings 
of the 640,000 U.S. employees who earn minimum wage, which okay. has been seven twenty-five an hour since 2009. Okay. Most states are boosting their minimum wages in response to criticism that the federal baseline isn't enough to provide a living wage, which look at any city in America, see what the typical rent, rent rate is, see what 725 times 40 is, woefully uh, underpaid. Yeah, it gets you yes. a nice shopping cart. I know it makes a lot of people angry that the idea that the minimum wage might go up because, you know, God forbid anybody should be making a livable wage that's commiserate with you, what you're making. That would be god-awful. People just can't have that. Now, at the same time, pay for the top-paid U.S. workers has surged, creating a rich-get-richer phenomenon that economists say is exacerbating income inequality. I know he's a, I know he's a millionaire because he wrote a book and it sold a lot of copies, but Bernie Sanders is literally the only person who ever talks about income inequality. Everyone else seems to just sort of dismiss the notion. Or you gloss over it and just, you know, obviously it's a thing, but that's not the most important thing. The practice of awarding large bonuses to Wall Street executives is also widening the gender and racial pay gaps since most of the recipients are white dudes. <laughs> I yeah. mean, th- th- that, that's where Put it's that at. In the, the not surprised file. Yeah, right. Let's see again, right? It's it's like, well, well, how is people? How is how is the 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 wage gap racist? That's how. Look That's at, how. Look at the trends. Right. The, the, these... And you're not saying every white guy who gets a raise is because of his skin color. True but, that. But you look at the trends. It's a thousand percent to 116 for the plebs. Well, even look Come at on. equal pay for equal work. Crumbs. <laughs> just, just numbers and stats. That's crumbs. What, that's what they are. Don't we get our crumbs? Uh, again, I will. I will till till the day I die will never understand how there are people who have such an issue with people making, like, a livable wage. I, I don't know if I understand that. I Anybody want to explain that to me? I think Eric's going to take a shot at it. <laughs> I don't think it's, <laughs> the floor is yours. I don't think it's so much against letting people make a livable wage, but I don't know. There's something about, like, putting in an effort f- towards it in this country. I think that's the argument that's usually made. Like... I'm not against people making a livable wage either, but the starting point is the starting point, and then you can work your way up from there. Like, I get it. If you if you're if you've lost a job and you need to get a new one, like a good livable wage to keep your lifestyle in check is good, and I can understand that. But I think the argument that you're talking about makes people sound like they're being mean and vindictive on purpose. And I don't think anyone wants to see anyone have plight in their life. They just want. But I feel like everybody thinks that it's only fast food workers who get minimum oh, wage, no, abs- and that's nonsense. Right. That's absolutely nonsense. I mean, I work in a factory, and a lot of these people that get hired, the hourly employees, they start at or around minimum wage. Sure. And they're busting their humps every single day to produce product for this company. And they're learning, and they're getting experience, and that and- rate and that wage increases. I think the message would be better served if we're talking about raising the minimum wage the message would be better served is, look, when you raise the minimum wage, non-minimum wage earners start falling in line. So you you mentioned it, what, a couple weeks ago, where yeah. you say if you're going to pay somebody to work at McDonald's for $15, people who don't work at McDonald's are going to wind up making more money because you wind up evening things out. Right. 
that's because there's then competition. Right. I mean, if everybody's like, oh, wait, I don't have to be like something more chat. I can go work in a you're, fast food place and get the same money. I'm doing it. You're not going to be a fast food worker and then have a doctor in the same bracket. Correct. Right. Again, and, 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 and here's an, another thing I guess I don't understand. For people who are in, in, the, in the working class or in the middle class, if you will, who are so concerned about CEOs and, and these corporations making enough money. People who were against this stop and shop strike that was going on here in Connecticut that seemed so worried about the parent company that pulled in $2 billion right. in profits. Right, They're right, going to yeah. be fine. What are you worried about? Right. They're going to move all the jobs out of here. Nope, they're not doing that either. Turns out people are still going to buy groceries. Yes. I guess we people still need to eat and they need yeah. food. That's yeah. strange. That's crazy. And they're not going to be spending $5 on gallons of milk. Right. <laughs> because then to buy milk. you go somewhere else to buy the milk. Yeah. It's called supply and demand. It's not difficult. I just, you know, uh, again, we we as Americans should all be in this together. We should have each other's back. People shouldn't be in favor of the corporations when there's actually poor people who just want to eat. Or want to be able to keep their lights on. I don't. I don't understand that. Yeah. No. I mean, that's, that's where we are. That's where we are. But it comes down to messaging. Republicans are better at messaging than Democrats. They always have been. All right. Well, let's take a look now on a more local level here in Connecticut, where state Republicans unveiled their toll alternative plan. It's called Prioritize Progress. It would require the state to borrow just $65 billion over 30 years to pay for infrastructure upgrades. Opponents of the bill say it's irresponsible to keep bonding, which is borrowing money, uh, that in a Democratic plan, out-of-state drivers would shoulder some of the cost burden. There are five more weeks remaining in the legislative session. And so far, bah. We'll, we'll see. You, basically, you've got two options. They've both been presented. One is tolls, tolling everybody. You put tolls on 95, 91, 84, and 15, as per the latest. Or you borrow the money like, we, like we've been doing, like, like we've done. There's, there comes a time where you just got to stop the borrowing against the future. It's, it's not a great idea. When you look at things like inflation, it just makes that money that you borrowed in the future... It's a lot more money. Yeah. And right. then you add the interest rates on top of that, and it's even more money. And things just naturally get more expensive because, you know, capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, am I wrong? No. Am I wrong? When Not you, wrong. When you say bonding $65 billion, that doesn't feel good. It doesn't it's, – it's not fun to say. <laughs> but what are we talking about in terms of – the budget over the next 30 years. No one's disputing that the infrastructure needs an infusion of cash. It's obviously just how to get there. And I think people who are against tolling think that it's unfair to place that burden on specific sectors and specific people. If everyone's coming through, I don't know how much we're actually going to generate. You got to have confidence in the government to be able to spend the money on what they say they're going to spend it for, which we also don't have a great track record of doing. The real shame here is that there's literally basically just two ideas, and that's the two-party system. We had a third option. Nobody wanted it. We either take money from you now 
over the yeah. forever, or, or we'll we grab it later. it later. Yeah, forever. It's one or the other. That's right. I, I, oh, it's, Connecticut. It's not fair that the taxpayer gets screwed here every time. I've, I've mentioned this before. I mentioned it when Russ Morin was here that they could simply raise the top rate on people earning over a million dollars from six nine nine to about eight seven four, and that would pretty much be socialism. Yes. <laughs> Yes, and then of course those people would all sell off their mansions and move. Yeah. I can tell you the for working a fact, family parties yeah. would love it. Yeah, here's the thing: I don't know who all these Greenwich millionaires are going to be selling to and fleeing for North Carolina. Look at uh, or Paul, where they're going to live. Look at Paul Simon; he's leaving. Yeah, his house is on the market for thirteen point nine million. Oh man! Ask Fifty Cent how long it takes to sell an overpriced house in Connecticut. <laughs> I mean, right? What, 12 50, years? If 50 Cent had his house on the market for like a dozen a years before he sold time. it. You got to price it aggressively. And took a bath. <laughs> he took a total bath. It turns out people don't need 8 million bathrooms in the house. You're, <laughs> you're really limiting yourself to a specialized buyer. But, uh... <laughs> uh, speaking of being on the hook, uh, can I get regulators are allowing Eversource Energy to charge customers? Get this. An extra $141 million over six years to recover money that it spent to repair its lines after five storms in 2017 and 2018. So the regulators are allowing Eversource? If the regulators hadn't said, yeah, that's okay, what what would they do? Obviously, you need to cut lines back. You need maintenance. But isn't that what you pay a power company for? That's right. Well, that's yeah. what I'm confused Cost about. Cost of business? You know, it, it's funny. And I have this argument with people all the time when, when people want to talk about welfare. And then I bring up corporate welfare. And they're like, well, you know, ExxonMobil. I mean, they're only making $90 billion a month in profit. What do you expect them to pay for their own Oil rigs when they're destroyed? Yeah, I do, actually. Yeah, actually, yeah. That's, that's so more than reasonable. Business. Cost you know? of doing business. Right. I mean, you. Uh, we've got several TVs on the studio right now. I'm looking at some of these beautiful baseball stadiums on the screen. Some of these were paid with, with taxpayer money. Oh, sure. Others were bonded. Others, the owners literally were like, yeah, I got it. Eversource does make a profit, right? By charging you for energy. Eversource is killing it. Huh. They're doing well. But they Are need they? help. They need our help. Aren't they? <laughs> right, aren't they? I mean, if they're not, they're doing it wrong. I just, again, wait, I'm paying you to fix your lines right. that broke in a storm because you probably went with the cheapies. I'm just guessing here. I'm speculating. Uh, those areas you didn't get those branches cut down? Yeah. Destroyed your lines? Well, when there is no power, it affects everybody, obviously. But what are you going to do? Eversource will begin collecting in May the first of six installments of $23.5 million each. That's uh, under the company's agreement with the Connecticut Public Utilities Regulatory Authority under the State Department of Energy and Environmental Protection, which, as you might imagine, has quite the lobbying wing. Oh, sure. And oh, they're, yeah. from what I can see, very effective at their jobs. Well, yeah, they get the state to pay for business expenses, so good work. Eversource's historic Connecticut Light and Power Operations generated a slight increase in earnings last year, contributing $378 million to the company's $1.04 billion profit in Ooh. 2018. Get them some help. They need Whew. it. It's pennies. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. You know, this is what I'm talking about. And and, and there's going to be people that are like, well, Eversource can't pay for it. They're charging you like 200 bucks a month to turn your lights on. And when their crap breaks, right. I'm going to need you to pay to fix that. Right. That is the worst <laughs> landlord in history. Yeah. I, I don't know. I have no sympathy for energy companies. None. 
Don't get me wrong. Zero. I'm a big fan of Eversource. I use Eversource. You're a big fan of your lights? I like having my lights on. <laughs> but I will say this. I'd like for that to continue. I have a real problem with this. I think that that's extraordinary right there. That is a lot of money for us to be on the hook for when I think you guys could swing it and you'd still be pulling a pretty hefty profit for 2018, 2019. I'm just saying. Any other business would invest in the business and so they could ensure more uh, more money down the road. I mean, any any other business would say, hey, we've got trees hanging on lines. we got to cut those back because that impacts our customers and our business. So we need to address that. I'll point out one more thing. It's $150 an hour during regular times. Mm-hmm. During the storms, they're charging us four fifty an hour. Well, sure, because they're bringing in all these contractors to come in. It's all hands on deck. Uh huh. And that's that's our fault. That's, that's my problem. That's, that's our right. problem. Again, I don't understand that. That's right. I mean, right? Oh, Dude, that'd be like, what listen, are you missing here? That'd be like if the Yankees were like, listen, our whole starting team is out. We've got all these backups. We can't pay these guys. We're we, gonna need you, the fans. We saw to you pony at football. To, to we saw your twelve six <laughs> break. We like what we saw. We don't want to pay you. Per I would se. do it though. Right. I would. Right. I'd be in. All right. in. Right. Um. That's really funny. I think Thanks it works. for bringing up my uh, wiffle ball skills. You're welcome. No problem. <laughs> know your audience. I got it. Uh, for the last seven years, the frozen embryos of a Manchester, Connecticut oh, couple. Nice transition. Have been. St- <laughs> this is important because the state of Connecticut There's may a be the ball of those maybe a, Yeah. That's <laughs> nice. It. Nice play. Love it. Uh, frozen embryos. Joe, go. This, cup, this couple uh, divorced in 2015, and uh, her name is Jessica Bilbo. Uh, it, it it's her eggs, and it, this is this has caused quite a problem because the question obviously is at what point is these clumps of cells a human being, and at, at what point does it have rights? And it looks like the state of Connecticut's Supreme Court is going to hear this, and this is going to really be uh. A big player in in cases going forward because that's how court cases work. You set a precedent. Uh, so they got a divorce, and uh, there's some some right to life groups who argue that frozen embryos aren't eggs; they're actually human organisms. And so they filed a, an appeal with the lower court awarding the embryos to the ex wife. Uh, but now it's coming before the state supreme court. Uh, this guy and his lawyer have hinted the case is so novel it should go to the U.S. Supreme Court to decide the ultimate question of when does life begin? So now it begins when it's apparently just an egg. When it goes to divorce court. Yes. Well, you know, and that's the whole thing about divorce court. Was that court. insensitive? It has a, it has a way of, <laughs> it didn't of feel forcing great. I gotta your be hand. Honest. Uh, this is, you know, again, uh, you know, people don't think much about this case. It's a, it's a big thing that's happening, and it's it's literally going to have national implications, regardless of how the Connecticut State Supreme Court rules. It's very likely to go up to the U.S. Supreme Court. Sure, Absolutely. and being that this is a case that hasn't really been tried before, this particular stance of the egg being a human organism, I would bet money that the U.S. Supreme Court will want to weigh in on this once and for all, although they do have a tendency of kicking the can down the road. So we'll see. Well, they'll look at precedent and will this then set the precedent or is there other cases that set the precedent for how to rule on this? So are you not ruling on this specifically, but you look at other cases to set the precedent on how the law interprets when life begins? 
Why does this guy care what his ex-wife is doing with her eggs? I don't understand it either, Joe. Right? <laughs> it's even hard to like try to talk about it because... I could see if it was your wife's eggs and she was being weird about it. Maybe you wanted to talk it out. It's your ex-wife's eggs. You got nothing to do with her eggs. Well, but... Her eggs are in someone else's basket, if you know what I mean. <laughs> That's all. This is... This is very comfortable. But, <laughs> Maybe you'll. That's, perf- why you, that's why you tune in each week. You get the uh, you know frozen embryo talk. We 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 touch on everything. Maybe you'll prefer this. Uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut, has quite a reputation. If you're not from Connecticut, it's a bad one. The reputation. <laughs> uh, two local lawmakers in Bridgeport spent the past week hurling insults. And accusations of drug use at one oh, another. Oh, I saw this story. I mean, it was wild. Shouldn't there be a wink and a nod if you're both using drugs? Like, hey, that's sure. off the table, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guess <laughs> you would, not. You would think some decorum in our, in our politics. This feud did end this past week when the results of their tests for the Bridgeport City Councilman Ernest Newton and Board of Education member Maria Pereira were revealed. It turns out that both lawmakers tested negative for 10 different substances, including marijuana, cocaine, amphetamine, methamphetamine, opioids, oxycodone, PCP, barbiturates, benzos, and methadone. Uh, The feud between these two began when they started attacking each other in the comment section of a news story on a Bridgeport website. (laughs) Newton kicked this whole thing off when he reminded her to please take your meds. Well, so I was reading a little bit more about that, and Newton apparently had a history as a young man of being addicted to crack cocaine. So it hit him, oh. and he's he's been clean. He's been clean for over 20 years or 24 years. So obviously they're trading barbs, and it's personal for him because he has struggled with addiction in the past. So it's a little different than just straight-up mudslinging. But, yeah, how would you feel if you're a voter in Bridgeport and these are the people that you get to choose from? So can we get a third? Anyone else want to raise their hand? Like, Here's the thing. Who wins? Eric, you're not from Connecticut, so no, I'll tell you, there are no not corrupt politicians in Bridgeport. <laughs> at least, at least from what I've seen, I could be wrong here. But it seems like when they're in the news... Who got the kickback from the test is what you want to know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Follow the money, they say. Yeah. <laughs> it's not sp- even specific to Bridgeport. I mean, this story is, but there's, you look in any of the Connecticut cities, there's all kinds of just, just dirt. Well, uh, look, it, it's, it is truly an indictment of our president. I mean, it, it really is. This, this sort of nonsense has started to carry over. It's, and the problem is, Trump has proven that it is effective to call your, Opponents, numbskulls, losers, deadbeats, lion Ted, overrated, sleepy Joe, no talented, right? Low IQ. It's great and it works and it's effective. And so if you're a politician, especially if you're maybe kind of new to the game, right? You're like, oh, what if I just start throwing out some crazy stuff and we'll see what happens? I'll draw headlines. You'll get big media outlets like us talking about it. Fair enough. <laughs> the, the, Look at you can make fun of us all you want. It was that was a real news story this week, and it's a real shame. It, it, it's an embarrassment for this entire country. You're not talking about how do we fix the schools in Bridgeport and how do we <laughs> clean up things in Bridgeport. It's just who's who's on drugs. Yes, there's Which elected leaders are on drugs. 
I like Bridgeport. It's a beautiful coastal city. They got a lot of issues down there. Like, whoever's running the place should definitely not be on drugs. That's going to be really important to sort of getting that thing going. Definitely couldn't hurt. All right, as we finish the show strong here, we're going to take a look uh, again kind of on the national scene. For the second straight year, the Treasury Department will have to borrow a trillion dollars to pay for the government's growing budget deficit, a consequence of juiced government spending and smaller revenues as a result of the 2017 tax cut. Uh, the Treasury borrowing surpassed $1 trillion during President Obama's first term as government spending soared amid the stimulus to combat the 2008 financial crisis. Instead of the decline in the year since, settling down to $519 billion in 2017 before nearly doubling last year, Steve Mnuchin continues to be the supervillain in the White House. Uh, you know, we saw earlier uh, this year where he basically manipulated the markets and 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 literally made himself about a million dollars in a day, uh, just just based on speculation. So you know he's perfect for the Trump administration. Oh, he's amazing. <laughs> he's he's about as bad a guy as you could have. He's very good with this stuff. And he knows how to make it work for him and, and, and the rest of the people in Trump's orbit. But that's not good. No. no. I mean, you'd like some uh, non-biased these are in, in, These in are Republicans. Positions. Yeah. These are Republicans borrowing for the second year in a row a trillion dollars. All right, we're going in the wrong I direction. The tax cuts were gonna were gonna help boost the economy, and then well, you wouldn't have to borrow. The economy is boosted, right? But it's why the caravans are coming. But here's the problem: <laughs> you can't tax those people who you just made all this money for. Okay, why not, Brian? I don't know. You just can't. Oh, it's not. It's just not allowed. No, no. So you just borrow more money. Then they'll be able to make more money, which. You know, I don't know how many times we'll have to repeat this, but eventually things should all work out. Right. Just the rich keep making all the money, and they uh, <laughs> that, that's trickle-down economics. Yes, that's how it works. Something you're a big fan of. In theory. Listen, there was a time where I, I was a big Ronald Reagan fan. Yeah. It just doesn't work, which sucks, because <laughs> oh. I really like the guy a lot. Really crushed that punchline there. Thank you. <laughs> uh, speaking of villains, about 1,700 decks of cards were delivered to the office of that Washington state senator who said nurses proudly play cards for a considerable amount of the day. We talked about her last week. Is it Maureen Walsh? Maureen was that her name? Republican state senator Maureen Walsh apologized after facing the backlash for those comments she made debating House Bill 1155 which would provide uninterrupted meal and rest breaks and mandatory overtime for nurses and certain health care employees. Uh, so nurses took time from their card games to send her <laughs> decks of cards. They said, we'll show you. We're going to pack up these cards oh, and send them right to you. Jokers are wild. Your, your, your move, <laughs> Senator Walsh. Now, to be fair, uh, there was an open letter on Facebook by... Uh, a rando who I, I can't confirm whether or not this person was a nurse, but called for people to send decks of cards to the senator. They posted her P.O. box. So I don't know if it was nurses, uh, because then what would they be doing on break People time, who clearly? support nurses. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Truckers send their bikini model trading cards out. All right, forget it. Here's what I don't get. I mean, you know, when you look at how polarizing politics have become, and you think about all the groups out there that you could go after. 
Nurses. They got nurses. Easy. Right. Who looked at nurses and was like, you know what? Right. Them. That's the group I'm going after. Before we really start <laughs> with the hatchet here. Let's go after caregivers. We're going to go after these, nurses. We're going to go after these people that work tremendous amount of hours helping people, helping who, people for not this. very much money. Who doesn't respect and appreciate nurses? I, I, I can't think of anybody. <laughs> it's outs- not a popular position outside of Maureen Walls. There's not really an anti-nurses crowd. No, no. Well, she's got a whole bunch of decks of cards, so she's <laughs> she's learning that. Now, uh, all football fans in this room. Yeah, an Eagles fan, a Giants fan, and a Patriots fan, and then uh, congratulations to you guys. Pretty decent drafts, uh, both of your teams had. I accept. I wish I could say the <laughs> same for that. you. First player taken uh, was Kyler Murray, who was an unbelievable athlete. If you don't know what Kyler Murray is, he was also drafted in the first round by the Oakland A's. So he's a major league. Well, he's not in the major league, but he's a minor league baseball player with a chance to go to go to. The, now he's the number one pick on the new starting quarterback. Well, he won the Heisman. I mean, this and guy he won the Heisman Trophy for best college player. Supremely talented. However, video game numbers. that is not the person Donald Trump called. Right. Of course. Not. I wonder why that is. Donald Trump uh, took to Twitter to congratulate the first white player picked, one Nick Bosa, the San Francisco 49ers top pick, who immediately after being selected, apologized for some tweets that he had made about Colin Kaepernick, including one in which he called Colin Kaepernick, quote, a clown. That's interesting because Bosa was selected by the San Francisco 49ers, obviously, who Kaepernick had a uh, made, you know, made his notoriety with. And also well-known as possibly the most liberal city on the planet. So an interesting, an interesting possibly. dynamic. I'll, I'll do the tweet because... I got to do the voice one more time. Congratulations to Nick Bosa on being picked number two in the NFL draft. You will be a great player for years to come. Maybe one of the best. Big talent. San Francisco will embrace you, but most importantly, always stay true to yourself. Make America great again. Uh, Nick Bosa has apologized for the, the, the racial tweets that he, that he made. Uh, this guy has, has also, um, he also had had liked some uh, Instagram posts featuring the N word and others that used homophobic slurs. Nick Bosa is kind of a punk, and he espouses at least slightly white nationalist views. And it's curious that the play uh, the president would bypass the first player selected, a black person, in favor of the second person who apologized for his remarks about Colin Kaepernick and racial inequality and race relations uh, as well. Now, one other curious thing, uh, an interview with ESPN, Bosa said that he had to uh, wipe clean all of his social media because there was a chance he was going to end up in San Francisco. So I guess the question for Nick Bosa is, are you sorry or are you just saying that because you ended up in the place that might be toughest for you to survive in if you meant what you said? I don't condone, obviously, his tweets or, you know, if he's following white supremacists. That's not that's not a good thing. That's not, again, disclaimer said. I don't think that athletes should be... Um, vilified for past social media stuff before they were in the public eye uh, 
professional athletes. I mean, when you put to stuff- be fair, his brother Joey is an NFL player. Right, his so father was an NFL player right, too. But it's, so it's not like this guy was a nobody. Yeah, he's dumb. He made a terrible. He made a, right. a stupid decision. Fair. But you look at this has happened at other other sports too. Look at a guy like Josh Hader. You got a guy. Um, was it uh, Sean Newcomb for the Braves? Who you know they they found these tweets and they're like mm, that wasn't. That, that's not not great. And Sorry, that's for when I used yeah. to be a racist. But I think with those, uh, well, yeah, it's tough. Some of those other cases, though, you're talking about, like if he's if he made comics comments about Kaepernick via Twitter or Instagram or what, it's very recent. Some of these, a lot of some of the other incidents is like it was they were in high school. It was ten, maybe maybe sure. five years ago. Like if you tweet there is something a way... when you're 14, it shouldn't be like, right. oh my god, this is what you believe. But this guy did this very recently and with with the idea in his head i'm gonna be an nfl player someday most likely so i don't know if he gets as much of a pass as others should get but i do agree with you like we don't we have this trend now where we just go back through people's social media history and then we can eviscerate them now for it i just wonder if he was going to be drafted by the patriots if he would have apologized for his racist views well they would have uncovered it too yeah I don't, i'm not no offense to boston but i feel like it might not be yeah. uh as big a deal in a place like boston well but use it use it as a starting off point then to educate and he's coming into a community He's has a. I like to think questionable, questionable tweets and things in the past. I like to think that he is going into this situation, and he said some things. Yeah, I didn't really know enough about it at the time. It was reactionary. And look, I'll be the first person to admit, the first time I heard Colin Kaepernick took a knee, or not even took a knee, but sat, I was like, uh, he did what? Uh, uh-uh, uh, not America, baby. And then I found out why he did it, and I was like, oh, solid points. All right, yeah, you could sit. I get it. I applauded the effort when he went to a knee after talking to uh, Nate Boyer. I thought it was a beautiful story. Yeah. I thought the idea that he that, that Colin then brought it, veterans into his uh, exploited person so coalition was great. So to not be disrespectful of the military and the flag. Correct. Right. To, sp- to go out of his way to include those people who, let's be honest, for, for everybody who wants to pat themselves on the back because you love the troops so much, what have you done for the troops? What have you done for the military? Anything? Because Colin Kaepernick has. So you can say what you want about it. So again, I hope that, that Nick Bosa has... Uh, a pure heart on this. I question the motivation, especially based on things like, well, I had to scrub my social media. Yeah. I might go to San Francisco. Hello? I don't know. I mean, it it, it, it it seems like it's sort of screaming of of insincerity is all I'm saying. I'd like to think that this guy might might take the opportunity to, to, to be a man and, and to get educated and to maybe go out there and make a difference. But I'm not going to hold my breath. Yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Well, yeah. I wouldn't. Well, all right. At least I'm not setting myself up for disappointment. I, I do feel like though, it's kind of strange that did, did the owners of San Francisco did they know they had this stuff out there? Like they, they had to. They had sure to. They have had yes. To. Have they you seen this guy this? coming off the edge? And though then, he's a monster. <laughs> it doesn't matter how he feels. Look, that's the here's. But here's isn't that the, the beauty thing. of it? It is. Shouldn't be. That's what it is. It doesn't it is. matter. He plays football. Yes. And, and and here's the problem with football. As much as I love it, if you're very, very good at football, 
you can get away with a lot. Because if you're really, really good at football, you're going to have a lot of money. Oh, yeah. And if you have a lot of money in this country, whether you did it singing, acting, writing books, scamming people in real estate, or whatever you did. And you haven't even spoken about Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I mean, we could we could spend a whole right. week talking right. about all the all that's wrong with the NFL and, and how that operates. Yeah, a guy accused of child abuse. The same team that uh, released a guy who beat up a woman yep. in a hotel. Right. Which I'll just never understand. It's a rich versus poor thing in this country. You either have millions or you're you're just another number. And and it's unfortunate. And and until one of these two parties claims those people, you're never gonna fix it. And it's gonna stay as divided as it's ever been. Everyone's excited. That's just to, <laughs> just to end things on a here. real upper message. All the warm and fuzzies. There you go. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. DWS News Podcast. You can also check out our Facebook page for Brian Forster and Eric Farron. I'm Joe McGuire. We'll catch you next week on Divided We Stand.